Welcome to Chevron's Lock, a Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. I'm Melanie. And this evening we have a special guest, my husband. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm John. Cool. He's my husband. We <laughs> This episode we're talking about Brief Candle, which is season one, episode eight. Nine. 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 As usual, we'll offer spoiler warnings before this episode. We will be talking about not just this one, but future ones as well. In addition to our content warning, we generally have explicit content. And in particular for this episode, we would like to also offer a trigger warning. Unfortunately, the content of this episode of Stargate is a little bit difficult in terms of consent and assault. So we just want to give you that warning before you dive in here. Moving on, this episode, the story was written by Stephen Barnes, and it was written by our old friend Catherine Powers, who also wrote Emancipation. Mm-mm, Catherine Powers. And this, I'm going to say, this screenplay doesn't do much to ingra- like make up for that other one. So, uh-huh. so you say that, but I mean, this, this piece of fiction is singular in execution. <laughs> this episode was directed by Mario as a party who directs many episodes and it aired on the 19th of September, 1997, which I'm just going to say, point out that this around this time in 1997 in Colorado is when the Broncos would have been starting their Super Bowl winning season. (laughs) So I might be bringing that up just because I need to believe that that like they would be, they would have been talking about it. You guys, everybody in Colorado (laughs) was talking about it. So I, I, I love you, sweetheart. I really do. But I think you need to know your audience. I'm just throwing that out there. What are you trying to say? I, I don't think you guys are big NFL fans. Am I incorrect on that one? Who, me? Ooh, I, anyone listening to this podcast? Oh, I was like, I am. Melanie I is. Okay, I stand corrected. Oh, my apologies. I mean, probably not Broncos fans, but Sam no, does have no. a Broncos pennant in her basement in season five. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the title of this episode, Brief Candle, is pull, it's pulled from Shakespeare, from Macbeth. And I actually pulled a clip of the soliloquy. It's from Macbeth's soliloquy after uh, his wife dies. So We're so cultured. I know, yes. Yeah, we're bringing Shakespeare into this podcast. I'm not going to lie. I listened to like 10 different renditions of this soliloquy. <laughs> I chose Alan Cummings because he actually has a Scottish accent nice. and because it was the, the pacing was faster, which I thought would be better for the, the episode and because Andrea loves him. So there's that too. All good reasons. All right. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this Petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. So there you go. 
bleak outtake on a life there yeah it's just like it's very fitting for this episode i mean especially if this episode had been executed better Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I don't know i mean the fact that it signifies nothing i think hits it right on the mark right (laughs) Uh, so yeah so it's i mean it's basically macbeth waxing philosophical as macbeth does about how fleeting and pointless life is so I think I think we definitely get a little bit of of Jack doing some Macbethian shaking his fist at the sky mm-hmm. in this episode. So, all right. So, yeah, having covered that, let's just jump right into the to the episode. Uh, Melly, what do you have for a synopsis? Uh, the synopsis comes from the SG One wiki. Uh, on a visit to Argos, SG One discovers that a Gould Pelops engineered the Argosian race to live for only 100 days. Colonel Jack O'Neill is inadvertently infected with the nanites that cause rapid aging and grows older by the day, while the team try to stop the process before it's too late. All right, to the point. So this is some flagrant whitewashing, right? Inadvertently, it's sexually transmitted aging. <laughs> Wait, whitewashing? Why is that whitewashing? Oh, you mean like... Because we're, we're taking out the fact that he caught a aging sti on this episode it's it's inadvertent right what but the, more commonly these days whitewashing means casting white actors in roles for people of color oh so I, I, guess I think you paving over yeah i think you mean more in the traditional sense of making it sound less terrible than it is yes mm-hmm. <laughs> which is also whitewashing yeah that's, yep. that's apropos mm-hmm all right, so this episode starts with we see a dude praying to a statue, sort of Greekish looking, and uh, and then this Stargate. So that's right, the Stargate is right there, fires up, and the team comes through, and they're not wearing helmets, so that's Finally. exciting. And then they stumble upon a woman delivering a baby, well, in labor. And I have to give Aleko some credit here because, like, he's unarmed, but he was being so sweet and, like, trying to stay between them. These strangers come through the Stargate and they have weapons and they're, and Alekos is, like, getting between them and his wife who is in labor. So, good And also that he was even around. I feel like the uh, kind of stereotype and even well into, like, the 50s, it was, like, 1950s America men were like not in the delivery room and like you know childbirth thing is like a woman's thing and like you know women just go off into the woods and have babies and come back and that's just how it rolls but no not Alekos he's hanging around and holding hands good job buddy Uh, Alekos is a good dude I feel like he's actually one of the few bright points in this episode I sort of like his miniature character arc yeah uh so then we get everyone looking at Sam like she's gonna be able to help deliver a baby because clearly if you have a uterus you absolutely know how to deliver a baby it's like part of the dna that you're given so i I don't disagree with that sentiment however it's far better preparation than just having a penis throwing it out there (laughs) i i suppose but it's not preparation it's thin it's thin i'm not i'm not arguing yeah so it, it, that's basically then it goes to the titles which is kind of a weird place to put the titles everyone just looks at sam and she's like well i don't know and then mm-hmm. it's like titles and then it comes back to daniel helping thetis i think is the woman's name 
and and Sam is still there. Sam and Daniel are coaching her through the labor, and we discover that Daniel learned how to deliver a baby in the Yucatan, and after his first experience with it, went to a midwife and got some instructions on it. So good for Daniel, I guess. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, one of my notes is like, I noticed that Daniel has like latex medical gloves, Mm -hmm. and I was like, is that just like a standard part of SG-1's kit now? Is just gotta have a latex gloves on hand i would assume that latex gloves would be a standard part of a military first aid kit yeah of any first aid kit i think yeah oh, i guess they would carry a first aid kit around i didn't think about that yeah they just you know so rarely treat their own wounds and i just assume that they don't have one yeah so then we get after daniel helps to deliver the baby we get this great moment this between him uh, and jack you never cease to amaze me with all your talents Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel sucks. <laughs> so Daniel I am way suck. outnumbered tonight uh, in the Daniel hating department. My husband does not side with me on this one. So I don't think there's much to hate about Daniel in this episode. I agree. And Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of other stuff to hate. And especially at this point in the series, I really love his dynamic with Jack. I I think that's a kind of a cute moment where it's really hard to tell whether Jack is being sincere or obnoxious, (laughs) which is something that's fun about Jack. Like 50-50. Yeah, who knows? It it could be either. (laughs) With Uh, the music in the background, I'm going to say it was probably kind of sincere. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was, he meant it to be sincere, but he always kind of says those kind of serious things with just a hint of uh, joviality. Is that a word? Yeah. Jocularity. That's probably more appropriate. And because, you know, we can't actually think that he would be legit serious for a moment. So yeah, so then we get introduced to baby Denal. Wait, don't, oh yeah, yes. Yeah. And we zoom in quite aggressively and purposefully on the birthmark on the arm. What did you call it? Chekhov's birthmark? Chekhov's birthmark, yes. (laughs) And the thing I love about this is they told us about the birthmark and they zoomed in on the birthmark. It Mm -hmm. really was overkill on Mm -hmm. the whole birthmark thing. We're leading the audience to make sure that we're not stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I I think this actually goes back to a little bit of what we talked about uh, in the mailbag with Ed that audiences have changed and the way that audiences are treated has changed Mm -hmm. because you definitely would I don't think you would see this kind of direct focus I mean with the advent of HD and people being able to pause and rewind easily I think that creators expect a lot more of our their audience in terms of picking up on those kind of things but Mm -hmm. in 1997 they clearly did not really wanted to make sure we got the point yeah oh wait no I totally missed that was the birthmark important in this episode The thing is, no. I, yes and no. It's, Not at all. For how much we focus on it, it I mean, I, it's they definitely could have figured out the aging thing without the birthmark, but whatever. Well, like, when we get to the scene when uh, What's-Her-Face Bettis is like, no, this is baby Danelle. Uh-huh. What is Sam going to, and like, let's say he didn't have the birthmark. What is Sam going to do? Be like, nah Like, <laughs> no, of course that she would still take it into account and be like, Oh, well, they're either idiots or there's something funky happening here. Like, yeah. I don't know. Of course, they already suspected something funky was happening. So, yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, so we find out that these people are called the Chosen, that they are the Chosen of Pelops. And we go to the village 
which is filled with beautiful people. Oh, and Danelle gets a Simba moment where like Alekos holds him up for the whole village to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really special. It was nice. <laughs> he was super excited about his so, son. So I have a question. So so they're all young and they're all beautiful. What happens to the old people? Like yeah. I mean, they all age at the same rate. So why aren't there old people? Yeah, this is a good <laughs> question. Because they seem to have a normal lifespan where basically a year is a day, maybe slightly less, and everyone lives a hundred days. So yeah, where are the like the hundred day olds? Do they? I I don't know. Maybe part of the nanites is that it ages them to a certain point, then lets them live to a certain point, and then they just die, and you don't age past that. Because like the nanites are very clearly involved in the aging, hmm. so maybe right. it's part of that. I... Yeah, maybe it's Logan's run rules. Who knows? It do- it doesn't make sense in terms of being like, oh, they age like a day's functionally a year. Sort or of. like the young people just like lock up the old people because they can't party anymore and they just die a slow, lonely death. Yeah, they put them, they put them in the old closet. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, yeah. Grandpa. It's your yeah. turn for the closet. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? That's a good point, though, Mel. I didn't notice that or think about that before. Yeah, you're right. There probably still should be old people unless the nanites are specifically engineered to like age them to adulthood and then leave them there until they die in a hundred days. But mm. then if you but then if you go that route, then why did Jack end up being a hundred years old? Because yeah. he had aged so much already. Yeah, because they, they actually already addressed 40. that in the episode. Yeah. Okay, okay. And, and you know, in a better episode, this would be a glaring plot hole. Thankfully. <laughs> thankfully we have so much more to talk discuss. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is actually not a good episode, so we can just accept that that's part of bad. <laughs> so everyone is young and hot. Jack thinks it's a little suspicious. No, is it? Yeah, Jack thinks it's a little weird. Uh, Daniel seems to think it's a paradise, and we get this exchange. The things feel a little off here. Are you crazy? It's a paradise. Yeah, sure. Have an apple. What could happen? <laughs> Part of the reason I love this clip is because Jack is cynical, as usual. That's his role. Daniel is just pumped about this cool new place. And then Jack says, yeah, sure, have an apple. Like, fully acknowledging that there could be something fishy or weird going on here. And then the next thing that happens is Kinthia gives him a cake and he eats it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, Jack. It's cake. Yeah. Yeah. He can't he can't say no to cake. Who can? <laughs> yeah. So he eats the cake slash apple, whatever. I also think it's interesting, it kinda of like sets up like Daniel's kind of like willingness to like not think anything suspicious is happening here. Like, are you kidding? It's a paradise. We get that like at least a handful more times in this series where there's obviously obviously something suspicious happening or afoot and Daniel's like, What? No, this is totally cool. Like when he gets like sucked into like the sarcophagus uh when he saves that princess who's like trying to commit suicide and like clearly something is off and he's like no it's fine guys i got it under control it's like no daniel you don't just (laughs) listen something's wrong yeah daniel at least early on is very he wants to assume the best for sure Uh, i would also like to point out that sam is sitting next to jack thinking looking around like this is all kind of suspicious kind of stuff and everybody's kind of like no it's cool yeah we're good yeah. Yeah, Sam's on the same page as Jack on this one. Yeah. Uh, although she does seem at least mildly amused by this girl being super yes. into Jack. <laughs> uh, uh, side note, if you haven't, like, 
if you're one of those people who doesn't pay attention to like background character actions, may I highly recommend watching that particular scene and just watching Sam, even though it's Jack and Kimthia talking, just watch Sam. She's making the best faces in the background and it is highly enjoyable. Yeah, she, it definitely is. She's so cute. <laughs> so then Jack already is starting to seem a little drunk-ish and they're talking about this Pelops and, and what's going on on this planet. And and Teal suggests that perhaps he is a good gold and Jack just guffaws mm-hmm. at it. Like, yeah, right. Which is a position that I think he maintains through the rest of the series, even after meeting the Tok'ra. So yeah. he's very consistent about that. Yeah, this is definitely one of the first times where we see like SG-1. I mentioned it when we did the Knox episode, but we're really starting to see them as a cohesive like team family unit. those are my weaknesses anyway but them like ribbing each other and like joking around and a lot of laughter and like back and forth like exchanges is kind of like what this show ends up building itself upon and it's so nice to see that we're finally getting to it in episode nine that just means we have a lot more to look forward to but it's definitely noteworthy yeah although then jack starts getting pulled away and the team sort of stands up like they want to follow him and then they get like pretty i mean it's not super physical in their faces but still fairly aggressively shepherded back to their seats and nobody really fights this or questions this which it's one thing if they'd just taken jack away and they were like okay see you but when they get up to follow and get stopped i feel yeah. like it should be a red flag yeah well and also oh, there's flags in this episode but i believe they're gold and attached to the girl <laughs> <laughs> And, like, what's weird, too, is, like, SG-1 is obviously armed, and, like, the peeps don't make any effort to, like, disarm them. But SG-1 doesn't really fight or make, like you say, any kind of uh, concerted effort to actually go after Jack. But it's not like the other people are armed. It was really confusing. Like, if they were actually concerned, they would have... I don't know. It was very strange. I think that, I mean, I think maybe they thought they were, I mean, they stood up and they got Shepard to sit back down. Maybe they thought they, thought they were somewhat harmless because they don't seem too threatening. Yeah. And then they realized that they're only taking him like a few feet over to this like chair bench or whatever to where he can sit down and Kinthea can wave her flags or whatever. <laughs> the yeah, yeah wave them flags. <laughs> <laughs> marriage sex for sure thing. I don't know what's happening there, but we blocked it from our memory. Right. No, I mean, fundamentally, this is where the episode just goes completely off the rails, right? Like, we start with this really promising premise of, hey, let's consider what it's like to be a child in a different culture. Let's consider what it's like to grow in a different culture. And then the sex cake comes out, and, like, it just takes a turn. Yeah. It's pretty cringy. Uh, it's it's so cringy. It's just the, It's just the worst. I can't look at it. I have to look away. Like I'm not approved by any main like any means like obviously but no it's so cringy. Well, it's even like even like during that whole part like it gets all hazy so you know he's somewhat drugged during the whole scene and mm-hmm. that's probably what makes it most cringy for me. I'm just kind of like it's just it's not mm-hmm. not cool guys. It's not sexy like you're it's painting not- it and framing it sexy but this is just weird. For, like that's one of the biggest problems of this episode is that Jack gets raped he gets mm-hmm. like roofied he was roofied and then taken away and has sex and it's played as kind of sexy and then like silly and playful although he like gets a life-threatening illness from said sexual encounter and it's 
it's it's problematic yeah. incredibly problematic well, and even after didn't he go something like what just happened or yes. what yeah or whatever and i was like uh yeah red flags yeah lots of red flags but yeah it gets played as like oh that was wild not weird and like jack you dog like it was just very strange yeah yeah no and, and like i so should we mention that previously we had a the world's greatest podcast recorded on this and unfortunately this is take two is that an okay thing to say <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. when we had talked about this previously during the world's greatest podcast uh that unfortunately the world was too good for this world um <laughs> i pointed out like the the episode takes on this really ugly morality play aspect of it right like i i, I i'm having like flashbacks to sitting in like sunday school where the good kids are not involved in eating sex cake and the bad kids are having sex cake and really like having a good time. And the hero of the story beds down with one of the terrible sex cake havers and the worst possible thing happens is he wakes up next to a one month old. Right. I mean, like this is the horrifying aspect of this episode of like, Oh yeah. Wow. That was a bad outcome. But not only does he have sex with the one month old, he also contracts sexually transmitted aging. I mean, like, this is the most powerful cautionary tale that some bright mind could ever come up with. So you brought this up last time, and I'm staying by this. I appreciate that take. However, I really don't see the morality on this, because <laughs> I feel like if it was anti-sex or if it was don't... Because Jack isn't willingly doing this. So it's not like Jack is... I mean, yes, he willingly ate the cake, but he didn't willingly get drugged and have sex. And I feel like if it was a morality take, then it would be everybody who is like partying it up and like having a good time and drinking alcohol and having sex. They'd all be like punished in some way. And they, they aren't. So I see what you're saying. I just don't think I personally don't see that just because Jack isn't willingly like, fuck you guys, SG1. I'm going to go get me some. And then, oh. he gets, and then he gets punished for it. He's like getting dragged through this. So it's hard to say it's like the morality thing. Oh, you know, I, I, mean? I mean, obviously you're 100% entitled to your opinion, but like, just like you guys said at the beginning, like he, he is the first one to point out, Hey, this is really creepy. And they even make a reference to the Bible of, yeah, go ahead and have an apple. So like I, you could say that he's not actively pursuing the devious temptations, but that little voice inside that we should always listen to. Right. I mean, like that's where the pastor gets on the stage and be like, and this is what can happen when you don't listen to that little voice. You wind up having sex with a one-month-old and getting really old. Don't eat cake, guys. God don't knows what's going to happen. It, exactly. And God I mean, will punish you. That, I, again, like, I'm being a little bit flipped, but, like, it just takes on this weird, weird direction, right? Like It does take on a weird direction. I just, like I said, we're both entitled to our own opinions. I just don't think that it's a morality take. John, sure. I think uh, you spent much more time in Sunday school getting lectured about the dangers of sex that, than maybe most people did. Well, and for good reason, because I'm a stone-cold stud, and it was being thrown at me constantly. So it, it makes sense that I would get that lesson frequently. No, mm, no? Nope. Not I, I, right, I, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a whole other topic. Our... <laughs> <laughs> our, our strict puritan background that that's that's not something we need to explore to, to dive into <laughs> but it is very true that so basically jack sort of comes to himself seemingly like immediately post-coital mm -hmm. he's and he's like oh no what happened and 
he's like still making out with her. He's like kissing on her, and, and she falls like, asleep. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> and he's not dressed. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, we. I mean, it's one of those things where yes, Richard Dean Anderson is shirtless, and he has his dog tags on, and he looks good. But then there's also the context, which makes it a whole lot less enjoyable. Right. Well, it's like when in Emancipation, when Amanda Tapping was in that dress, it's like. Okay, this is a bad situation, but can we all appreciate how great her boobs look right now? <laughs> is, is that the takeaway there? It was our takeaway. <laughs> oh, no. It was the only thing that looked good in that dress because that dress was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. But her oh, boobs sweetheart, did you look have great. that. I thought you, you liked that one. <laughs> uh, yes, John bought me that dress. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the team, the team comes in and Jack is like, partially dressed and trying to figure out what happens and it's like the most awkward moment of all time because nobody really knows what to say to jack and it's like sam sort of maybe wants to not talk about it but talk about maybe be playful because that's sort of the precedent that jack has set right like when weird stuff happens and everything goes to shit we can just make light of it right like he can say you know i'll never see you in that little number that cute little tank top number again and that's how they move past it. And so mm-hmm. there's like kind of an awkward moment where Sam is like, do I make a joke about this? Do we just move right on? Like, what? Yeah. What do we and do she, But yeah, she like walks through and it's like the SG-1 scoping out this like little sex room. And she's like, man, I've seen parties end abruptly, but not like this. And it's that's like her kind of way, I think, of like bridging that weird like something's wrong. Something happened here, but making an awkward joke at the yeah. same time. Well, and then Jack just jumps, follows her lead, sort of, I guess, by saying. Mm-hmm. Colonel. From now on, we stick to rations. Yeah, because uh, Jack gets up and is like, got a headache, obviously, and is kind of stumbling around. And he, like, falls to his knees and is clearly not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they... and he even says, she drugged me or I was drugged. Like, he yeah. verbally yeah. clarifies yeah, he says, damn, she drugged me. Yeah, Melanie. Oh, I was just going to piggyback off the quote that you pulled. Please do. Just to say that he doesn't, that, that they say that they're going to stick to rations, but they don't. Nope. No. <laughs> they definitely don't. Nope. Well, and they already should have learned that lesson because in the talked about but not seen episode or mission of theirs where Sam drank something and disrobed. You, you, like they've already had experiences where they should know they shouldn't just eat things without first verifying what they are and yet this happens and then jack's like let's stick to rations and then they don't to defend sg1 just a little bit i feel like at this point you wouldn't think even though we're going to alien planets i guess you wouldn't think and 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 the culture seems friendly you're not thinking like oh this is going to end poorly for me right like, you know what i mean for me I- it's just a function of you don't know what their the local food is if if your gastrointestinal tract can digest it appropriately. Even nothing yeah. nothing nefarious. Even just things like, is it appropriate for Earth people to eat stuff from another yeah. planet? I I guess I would just say because like we know that I guess not all of them, but most of the humanoids are descendants of the original Taris. So maybe they just I mean it's a stretch. No, they shouldn't do it, but. <laughs> No, I, well, I mean, I get it, like, culturally, and MREs are gross. Yeah, so I, I, I like, I, but that's also, like, to, I guess, to, like, John's point, like, earlier about like, the whole morality thing is, like, 
you don't think also like that's the whole point right you don't expect the thing to be drugged so like when you're at the club hanging with your friends you don't expect you walk away you should be able to walk away from your drink and like let it be you don't expect it to be spiked and get yourself fucked over so it's kind of the same thing yeah Ah. Mm. all right so yeah everyone passes out and then it cuts to the next morning and jack comes out seeming very hungover everyone's awake seems fine and sam is like being a detective taking notes yes seems to be interrogating people i guess (laughs) what is she interrogating them about like i don't like what is the maybe she's getting info like so you guys pass out at the same time every night interesting (laughs) Uh, yeah, so Jack comes out and promptly dunks his head in a fountain. Again, we should all acknowledge and move on. Wet RDA, beautiful thing that happened. Acknowledge it, live in the moment, move on with our lives. <laughs> it's Are an- you going to take your own advice? Oh, God, no. I'm okay. going to live in the moment. I just thought I would ask. <laughs> in the moment. I just thought I would ask because you were telling I, I have, me what to do. Yeah, I have a real cool question. How many people have ever experienced something untoward and then dunked their head in a sink? Like it happens on movies and TV all the time, but I can't say as I've ever done it. Any anyone can vouch for this experience? I've not dunked my head, but I've like like gotten like big thing like cups of water in my yeah. hands and like splashed my face like a lot. Yeah, or all immediately right. hopped from hangover into a hot shower asap. Yes, that too. Yeah, John, I don't think we get to participate in that this conversation since we've never been hungover. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so Carter seems pretty upset by what's going on here. Jack is sort of trying to play it down, but not very he not very successfully. So then we cut to the temple where Teal'c and Daniel are gleaning a brief history of the Argosians. <laughs> Teal'c very conveniently, although I guess somewhat appropriately maybe knows the language which does beg the question if Teal'c is going to be able to read most of the Goa'uld slash Goa'uld adjacent things that they come across then what even is the point of Daniel? <laughs> well we have other other dialects but I like the thought that Chelsea said what is the point of Daniel? <laughs> That's something that we need I... to remember going forward. <laughs> I do think the point of Daniel is to help bridge the cultural gap i guess kind of maybe because yeah i don't see jack as going in to like a new race of people or whatever and like going like hey what are y'all's customs how do we act appropriately what do we do here Mm -hmm. whereas daniel would be like hey i want to learn everything about you except for this one time i went to this planet this time and didn't learn about the sex cake yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's probably on the questionnaire whenever they land somewhere new. So, do you guys have any weird sex cake rituals that we should know about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh no, I'm I'm being I'm joking because clearly there are plenty of other languages and cultures and things where Daniel that Daniel late. knows and Teal'c does not. You already said what's the plan, Daniel? There's no taxi backsies. <laughs> and it's forever in the podcast. And forever and whatever, I can cut it. Uh, uh, I'm not the cider. <laughs> We're going to listen to it before you post it and demand that it be in. <laughs> yeah, so Teal very quickly figures out the language, which is kind of an obscure, go-old, ancient dialect. and Much be- like him being on the Knox last episode, yeah. Teal's very convenient alienness is coming into play and uh, 
is answering all of our questions. So yeah. at least he's getting more stuff to do. Yeah, but amen. Stand around and yes. hold the staff one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. And raise an eyebrow. <laughs> That's it. Hey, let's not not the eyebrow raise. That is the <laughs> most compelling aspect of this character, without a question. Uh, yeah, it is, and he does it extremely well. That so, fool can raise an eyebrow. There's can. no question about it. Yeah, so Tilk figures out the language. He opens up a compartment that has, like, our first exposure to the sort of computer tablet thing that can page turn. I'm doing gestures. That's not helpful. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool. I, I do like the how the stone makes the pages turn yeah. as I'm doing the gestures, too. Hang on. <laughs> you guys, this is not good for the podcast format. <laughs> yep. That's true. And they gather quite a bit of information on what happened here, which is nice. I feel like a lot of times it takes us longer to to get this type of exposition. Mm -hmm. uh, but we go back to the village. Sam is now collecting. Oh, should we say what we find out? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that basically there's this Goa'uld who's experimenting on humans. And that's the whole deal with Argos. Like they, he wanted to study the human lifespan and so he sped it up and brought them here. Yep. And basically made it so that all they have to do is live and reproduce. And yeah. and presumably, I think the, and we get, we flesh this out actually more after the fact in subsequent episodes with Nirti and stuff that he was probably trying to create a better host for himself. Mm -hmm. And so then, yeah, so Sam is collecting soil samples now. Yeah. Yeah. She's being a nerd. But yes. Slash also collecting shells to be a rattle for baby Danell, which is adorable. And also inappropriate for a one-day-old baby, but luckily he's not a normal one-day-old baby. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then we see baby Danell and Chekhov's birthmark comes back in a big way so that we can be 100% sure that this kid who is toddler. this toddler was born yesterday. <laughs> Again, we're hand-holding our audience to make sure we're not stupid. Yeah. Well, which is funny because uh, Thetis, or, yeah, Thetis is, like, talking to Sam like she's the dumb one. Like, this is baby Danelle. And you could almost hear, like, you bitch, like, at the end of that, like, <laughs> statement. Like, the way that she delivers it is, like, geez, someone's got her sassy pants on. <laughs> John, the way you giggled made me think that maybe you had something to say about that. Oh, no, I... Uh, so again, just I was harkening back to one of the things that happens in this episode where everybody takes a nap, and then I was like, you know, if you only live for a hundred days, taking a lot of naps makes a lot of sense, right? I, I mean, this whole island of like sexy puppies is like, oh, we had a meal, now it's time for nap, yay! <laughs> and like, and that's it, like that's the whole story. So then we find out that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stuck on sexy puppies. So <laughs> he's not wrong. It's a pretty fair classification. So then we start finding out that these people do not age, and uh, we see the physical uh, presentation of this, and and we find out that so Thetis says she's 21 days old, and bum, bum, bum. and then Jack is like, wait, how old is Kinthia? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And they're like, oh, she's 31 days old. It's middle face. age. It's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not going to hold up in front of the judge. I'm just throwing that out there. There's so much that's wrong with everything that's happening in this. Because first of all, like, nobody would see her and be like, 
you need to card that chick. She looks right. like a grown woman. She behaves at least moderately like a grown woman. But the more time we spend with these people, the more clear it becomes that they may look like adults. And in their functionally in their society, they're 30 they years old and they are mm-hmm. the grownups. They are incredibly naive and they really are only days old and their experience, their behavior bears out that that is that they have very limited experience. They should go to college, you know, experiment, get some exposure to other people. (laughs) Try other cultures, sex cake. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So then there's more of a discussion about how Pelops did this and but we don't we don't know. So they, there's we don't have an understanding of how he did it. Their first assumption is that possibly it was some kind of virus. And Sam's face when they when that seems to be the case is she's 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 real freaked out for sure. Mm-hmm. She's worried. Yep. And Jack oh, is adamant that he does not have the virus. <laughs> but he does have the virus, guys. And then he passes <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> sexually transmitted aging that's what we're building to with this reveal you have got you had sex and now you're gonna die from old age and and like again going back to something i brought up last time like this feels like some horrifyingly misogynistic trope about like what marriage does to a man right you eat the wedding cake and then bam you wake up and you're 85 years old and your prostate's enlarged and nothing tastes good anymore right like it's just so awful so, John, you usually have unique perspectives on things anyway. I would be curious if other men saw some of these more male-directed cautionary tales that you're seeing in this episode, because I don't think the rest of us did pick up on that in that way. Yeah, actually, I'd be kind of curious, because that was the only thing I saw in this whole thing, was just like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I can't take any more of this. So, dudes who listen to our podcast, if you feel like John, please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that would be it'd be interesting to know. So, but right before Jack passes out, he he passes on an important bit of information. I guess it wasn't the cake. Maybe it was your physical contact with Cynthia. <laughs> every, <laughs> every time she says physical contact with Cynthia, I'm like, Sam, we're all adults. Yeah, they say, pound they're down. not. <laughs> they're not all adults. <laughs> Because physical contact could be like, oh, I touched your arm. Oh, <laughs> like your fluid transfer. <laughs> oh, it's so disappointing. That, that's what my wife just called it. <laughs> I was making fun of Sam. <laughs> we missed we missed the second half of that because we were all laughing at her calling it sorry, physical, sorry. physical contact. So here, I'm just gonna play it. Get back to Earth, Captain. Figure this thing out. So I This is also the first time that Jack needs Sam to save him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And gives her just the instruction of figure it out. Just yeah. save us. Yeah. And Sam's you know, like which, big... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Which I feel bad for Sam because it seems like it's always has to be her that saves everyone. Mm-hmm. She has to come up with the whatever the wild idea is yep. to somehow save everybody. Well, it's okay, Melanie, because she gets rewarded later in seasons nine and ten with um, getting the 
command of SG one. <laughs> she shares second. it. Jeff. Wait a she second. shares it. Yes, I know. <laughs> my point. <laughs> my point is that she should have fucking done she it for the last. Even share command. It's so lame. It's so dumb. That that is, that is something for us to tackle at a much later date. We can much, be very much salty later. about it. God, I think we'll spend the whole time talking about those episodes just being how mad we are. Like, I don't Absolutely. even think we'll talk about the episode. It's going to be very cathartic for us. Yep. So <clears throat> Sam follows that directive and we get a wormhole that sends her back to the SGC. And she and Janet jump on the problem. I love science gals. Yeah. It's just the greatest. I wish we got more of it. Yeah. Janet deserves better. Uh, amen sister so there they... why... sorry no i know like we're probably gonna talk about it for heroes but do we know why they killed janet off did terrell rothery want out no it's because no. they thought it was gonna that was gonna be the end of the show season seven that's dumb so then they didn't think that they would have to miss her dumb, dumb. god could you imagine if that was the end though jack god. being enclosed <laughs> in carbonite basically i don't know what it's called but i'm gonna call it carbonite no no no, no. it's carbonite no, no, no. that was lost oh they thought season seven that is yeah. season seven yes yeah. i'm sorry i was talking about heroes specifically but yeah well man. so they thought season you seven was gonna be the, end. Yeah. the angst that could bring to every okay sorry i'm not even gonna we'll save it for so season far seven. Yeah, so far season in the future seven. yeah so they discover that there's some weird particulate in the blood but it doesn't seem to be any type of pathogen that we know yeah. It's not biological. Do they decide it's not biological at uh, that point or is that later? Not really. They don't know. Okay. They, they just, they don't recognize it. Uh, so then they go back and Jack has aged a lot. Yeah. Over <laughs> so, um, hang on. Let me get the book here. So Jack ages in seven stages, I want to say. Um, oh, yeah, seven like stages. As you like it. What's up? It's like as you like it. Uh, seven stages so the, of man. The first like three stages is 50, 55, and 65. Um, and that was achieved without prosthetics. It was only paint and makeup. And then um, the final four stages were 70, 80, 90, and 100. And then prosthetic appliances were added starting with the forehead. Fun facts for you guys. That is fun facts. As from the illustrated companion. The, the makeup was was fine. I thought they did a pretty good job with the with the hair and makeup. I I struggled with his old man voice. We we can get to that. Oh <laughs> yes, how he turned into like a country bumpkin, you mean? <laughs> like Kermit the Frog. He had yeah. like the whistle too. It was yep, like oh, he did. It, 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 it was like country bumpkin with like the whistle. Yep. Um, like, the, like the dude guy. from Family Guy. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, the, it was something. It was I, the, I agree with that assessment. It, it was, was kind something. Of the pervy neighbor from from Family Guy, the pervy old neighbor. Also, uh, my husband can do that voice like at the drop of a hat. It's creepy. Moving on. Jack gives Sam some snark. Come on out! Don't keep the elderly waiting. It's rude. <laughs> oh, Jack! Leave Listen, it. That's how I can identify with Jack in that you know you deal with your feelings through humor and deflection, and that's the healthiest way to handle your feelings. Sam basically gives them the unpleasant news that they haven't figured out what it is, but they do know that his blood has more of it. Yeah. And so he is aging aggressively. And so then we get this exchange. So in two weeks, I'll be dead. Not if I can help it. Sam, you beautiful <sighs> mermaid. Yeah. Beautiful mermaid. Mm. 
She's Which just is- wonderful, okay? She just, she won't give up on him and she's going to find the answer partly, I mean, the science of it and partly because it's Jack and that's her like obligation, but just the science of it itself. Yeah, she's definitely, she's one of a kind and SG-1 is lucky to have her. Yes. But yeah, so he's going to be dead in two weeks. Yeah. And Sam wants to set up a lab on the planet and Jack is adamant that that's not going to happen and wants them all to go back. Including Teal, because Teal is like, I'll stay. And Jack says, no. And, and he kind of gives actual logical reasons, not just his normal self-sacrificing nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. no, I want you to help Daniel, be able to help Daniel translate stuff so we can solve this sooner. And and it's kind of a toss-up of like how, just how resigned he is to dying because he does then leave them with these words. Jack, and don't you dare say goodbye you damn well better be coming back soon. So he, he clearly, I don't know, maybe it's just him being a leader and motivating them and knowing that they need to have something to fight for and be fighting for him. Yeah. So, But I don't know. I don't know. Actually, it seems like he is pretty resigned to die, but he also still wants to give his people that hope. And maybe he's still clinging on to the hope that Carter will pull something out of her butt and, and save him in some way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you guys see that one because when he says, you know, that little speech there, I 100% interpret it as, oh, yeah, I'm super deadsy, but, like, I'm putting on a bold face. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think that's very probable that that, yeah. that that's what he was saying. So it goes back to the lab, and we get this kind of nonsense line while Sam, who is not a biologist, by the way, but Sam says this. <laughs> People have hobbies, Chelsea. <laughs> They're not multiplying, they're replicating. What's the difference? Living organisms multiply. Machines replicate. Or, or, you know, viruses or, you know, fungus or whatever. Really dumb. So first of all, that's nonsense. Like, the the distinction between multiplying and replicating is nonsense. Yeah. And also... (laughs) that there is an audible noise to these things replicating in the blood that's like a video game spawn sound kind of it's like freak, freak, freak. Mm-hmm. it's hilarious and absurd <laughs> well if you listen really closely like put your like your um hand up to your ear you can actually hear the red blood cells flowing through your hand and every time you get new red blood cells it there's a little pop you can hear it <laughs> wow (laughs) that's true science that's absolutely true a hundred percent yeah so the way that sam figures out that these are nanites and not some kind of biological thing is that they are replicating and not multiplying which it did make me laugh them talking about replicating and it being a non-organic threat i guess but then the replicators being a threat much later on. Mm-hmm. It's like I love repl- the replicators so much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't love the replicators. Yeah, I know, and that is just yeah, they're not my favorite. So I'm excited to get there. So they're we can... so overused. <laughs> Everything's overused, though. Yeah, they only have like four villains. That's true. Sam talks about how she worked on nanotech at the Pentagon for a year. Of which course, is she did. Just another year in her life that. To add to her already really, really difficult timeline, 
for her to have accomplished everything she did in her very short life. But I, I've just decided that I think she had a time turner and she <laughs> just pulled a Nermione and mm-hmm. just, you know, redid a year at the Pentagon like 14 times. <laughs> I mean, I can believe that. Mm-hmm. I'll hop on board with that, with that. Yeah. All right. Sam's a witch. Great. <laughs> Does that mean there's divergent realities with multiple Sams running around? I gotta think about this. Well, oh, yes. We had that episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't you worry. Yes. Yes, there are. So are we suggesting that the time, Sam's use of the time turner earlier in the series before we start is what gives rise to all of the alternate realities that we have to endure? Ooh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm suggesting it now. The mirror is actually how we go back and forth between Sam's alternate realities. She's the source of all the different splits. Yep. I like it. That's that's the that's the new canon. Write the fic. Write the fic. Oh boy. <laughs> uh yeah, so then so Jack so Sam has figured out that it's nanites. And then it cuts back to Jack who's giving sass to a statue. <laughs> As you do. Old man yells at cloud. Yes. To be fair, when I said old man yells at cloud, it was later when he starts like interrupting their little speech and they convince them to like knock down the uh the statue. It's like oh. I think it, it could lose fit. his mind. It could fit in any points in the Oh in this totally. <laughs> it's it's basically old man yells at cloud for like the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> like it's basically what yeah. it is. Yep. Yeah. But I like if his... only he wouldn't have eaten that wedding cake, he'd still be a young man, virile and healthy. This is where he finds out it is wedding cake. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, Kinthea is still into it. Oh, yeah. And into old Jack. And this is a this is a, one of the scenes that, to me, further makes this so icky because it's clear just how naive she is. Because she comes in and he's yelling at the statue and she's like, can you actually talk to Pelops? And it's like... Mm-hmm. Oh gosh! It's yeah. Every conversation they have, and now granted, like she's sweet and insightful, and it's it's not like she's completely incapable of carrying on an a, an adult conversation. But she, it, every conversation they have from here to the rest of the episode, just further establishes how naive and young all of these people are, but specifically her. And it makes the you know the whole sex with a one month old thing that much more troubling. <laughs> so bad oh man oh but it's the worst possible outcome from sex right oh yeah this is gonna be a good time oh no if you're drugged oh crap oh it's a one month old oh double crap no you're gonna die from old age come on the worst possible outcome no losing your baseball scholarship because a bear eats your arm (laughs) sorry that's a scrubs reference reference. yeah (laughs) so jack tells us in this scene that he's 40 years old which is thousands of days and i'm i'm just going to guess that he's he's just throwing out a general age for himself because by my calculations his character would be like 40 45 or so yeah and, just, and, yeah well so he says he's 40 jack is supposed to be 45 and rda is 47 mm-hmm. so <laughs> We've got I mean, a, a range. He looks good at 47. He looks fantastic. I'm just going to say that out loud. Uh-huh. Yeah. So everyone I mean, knows. No, yeah. He's looking good. I could buy him as 40, but he's not. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say I could buy him. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
just to add to you know the whole creepy rapey vibe of this episode yeah, yeah just, just double keeping, down on that idea keeping yeah. with the theme i shouldn't even say rapey vibe like it's it, legit it, rape yeah it it's just it's, rape yeah but then it's also kind of weird because on the other end and jack says this eventually is like kinthia didn't mean any harm and she was following no. the customs of her culture right that in, there was i mean him accepting and eating the cake and going with her is about as explicit of consent as they have in their culture but then you also have the flip side of like she's 30 days old <laughs> so I also, I also wonder how much of like like pelops actually like provided this spiked cake that's produ- presumably like an aphrodisiac of some description aphrodisiac slash roofie because if his goal was for like him to continually uh have like an unending supply of of human subjects basically it would be in the gold's best interest to keep them horny high and drugged like 24 7 so for all they know like like you said chelsea that is their culture and it's not that they're they're intentionally doing this this is just like literally all they do is have sex and reproduce and that's it right so and i get that the the fact that this is probably like the first people that have come through the stargate like the first new people that they've ever seen like ever Mm. but wouldn't wouldn't someone on sg1 or like someone kind of be like hey you shouldn't eat this cake or explain what the cake is before we take the cake like i just feel like this just like oh yeah i'm just gonna give you this cake and not tell you what it is even though you're not from here and... But that's not fair. I mean, they have no concept of the world outside of them, right? Like, right, but SG One all... does. Yeah, What's that? SG One. But we kind of already said that, like, they I, I really don't think that they were thinking like this cake is dangerous, or like that this culture who obviously is like welcoming us into their, even though Jack is suspicious that everyone's young and hot. I don't think there's there's nothing else beyond that that's giving them any indication that they should be suspicious that this culture means them harm. Or anything and it or consider like modern day like when soldiers go overseas and they eat local food they're not like fucking drug testing it and making sure that they're not getting poisoned 24 7 i mean or or roofied right but if someone went just to your commander and was like i got you this and it's only for you and nobody else can eat it you might be suspicious of that yeah or maybe like wow these people like have a custom where like only like the chief gets like you know what i mean like there's all kinds of rationales and they just weren't thinking like right. it's an oversight it's whatever but what are you gonna do yeah anyway so it's a bad episode it's, it's so bad it's, it's so written. terrible it's oh, a lot of man. this doesn't make sense i mean the second that jack got cake and got dragged off into a room sg1 should have been guns up and no he's staying here with us and yeah he how long so. was he gone for I, like right that's another question how long was he gone like and they're I mean, like well guess jack our good old commander is going off and having sex with the locals that's that's par for the course right <laughs> that's in character yeah so in character so Man. yeah at, at least they established that this isn't star trek right like captain kirk he was probing the great unknown and he was all the better for it but jack <laughs> when he strays from the straight and narrow of stick to the mission he he gets the worst possible outcome. Uh, okay, I'll give you that, 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 that we are establishing that, that at least there are consequences for getting too friendly with the locals. This time? Well, no, pretty much universally. Pretty much Trek. every time. Yeah. yeah, pretty much every time. Oh, I don't know. What about Jack's future girlfriend who, like... Lara? When he gets... Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, we don't we don't talk about that episode here. <laughs> that episode doesn't get brought up ever. Oh. You mean you mean Jack's baby mama? All right. <laughs> Pushing past that one. I've been triggered. I need a moment to recover. Excuse me. <laughs> so back in the lab, we discover that the machines aren't really doing anything and they must need some kind of trigger or something to to actually work. And then but then they break containment and start eating the rubber gloves in the isolation chamber. I have another question about that, actually. Uh-huh. So don't they need the the statue thing to work, right? The statue thing on the planet, they need that to work, correct? Yes. Yeah, well, and that they kind so, of hint at that. And the first, she's like, oh, they're not doing anything. So, but then how do they eat to the gloves if they're not? <laughs> I was thinking, Again, bad episode. Dear Catherine oh, Powers, we have like, questions for you. Um, <laughs> I'm doing that thing we talked about yesterday that I'm not supposed to do by picking apart the episode. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just trying to, because, like, I remember that being a thing, was, like, you don't age or nothing happens if that statue's fallen over or whatever. Yeah. So, not. if we're on a completely different planet, yeah. they shouldn't be doing anything. Well, and Sam specifically says they're not doing anything. There clearly is something about the planet or or whatever. And almost immediately after she says that, they then start multiplying and eating the rubber gloves. And it's... She's it's basically like they're trying to spread, so they don't do anything except try to spread. I it, well, so we talked, we did say like so we mentioned like nitpicking isn't productive, but we were talking. We also specifically mentioned you don't let inconsistencies and little details yeah. deter you from enjoying a good story. When this isn't a, a good story, bad story. They were literally coming up with ways, like contrived ways, to make the SGC have to kind of abandon Jack on this planet in order for him to come to this like great realization of like what life can be if you like only have a certain amount of days to live because otherwise then it's just like cool like you have full access to earth and like we can get medical care to you and we we're gonna find a way to save you but now it's like some contrived reason that we can't talk to you anymore so wait if they had brought Jack back none of this episode would have happened (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's oh, actually man. true. Opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <He> really, <laughs> well, I mean, unless there was like some random thing in the SGC vibrating at this or emitting the same frequency as this weird Goa'uld device. But you're totally right. If Jack had just popped back on the Earth, we would have been fine. Okay, cool. But I thought that they needed it to wake him up. Like if he'd come back to Earth, he probably would have just fallen asleep and not wake up. But he wouldn't have fallen asleep because he wouldn't have been in the the like frequency. He, the frequency put him back to sleep. No, the mm-hmm. frequency woke him up and, and put them to sleep. Frequencies. One puts them to sleep and one wakes them up. That's Remember, because when they wandered, but only from one the of them wasn't working at the end or something. No, no, no. Just when they when they when they wandered from the village, they were out of range from the frequency. No, but so the. Because the rest of the villagers fell asleep and then didn't wake up. So we're one. So if it's two different frequencies, but the free, the emitter wasn't working, what put them to sleep? One wasn't broken. The other one was. The one that wasn't broken was the one that puts them to sleep. The one that broke was the one that wakes them up. Okay. All right. So it goes back. We go back to Argos, and Jack is writing a letter to Sarah, <laughs> which is, I guess, you know. They tried to acknowledge again that she exists. And then we really forget. Did we ever get a reference to Sarah after this episode? 
I really feel like this episode was it, what intentionally or not, this was the closure episode of, because we get the acknowledgement officially ex-wife. Uh-huh. He called her his ex-wife. And I, f- I feel like the letter was like intended to be this like closure kind of thing. Yeah. And so he's writing his letter and Aleko shows up and Jack basically tells him that your, uh, your God is full of crap. And Alekos is really quick to abandon his belief system and he's kind of upset, but he's also really curious and sweet. He's like, oh, if I don't, you know, if, if Pelops isn't a god, then I want to go explore and come go tell people what I found. It's um, And Jack basically encourages him. He's like, yeah, go for it. Go do that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of sweet, but again, just reinforces how naive these people are. That like the first people who come through and are like, "Your gods are bogus," and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, yeah, they are bogus." Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Right? <laughs> like, oh crap! And this is also where we have Kinthia is also with Jack mm-hmm. because she comes upon him writing the letter, and Jack is kind of not raging, but he's angry like i really like that jack isn't i wrote in my notes that he's not going into that not not going quietly into that dark night he is upset and raging and it's terrible and he feels like he's had something stolen from him and that's obviously coming through in the way that he's isolating himself and he's angry and kimpia is upset like and she blames herself she says this is my fault and jack 100 percent absolves her and and tells her that you know, I understand you meant no harm. I, I don't blame you. Um, and it, just proving Jack O'Neill is a great, great man. Yeah, he it is. He's pretty cool about it. To, I mean, he, he's right. Like she really did mean no harm. Um, yeah, Kinthia gives him a hard time because she's like, "Come back to the village," and he's like, "You know, I let me spend what time I have left how I want." And she's like, "But you aren't spending it. You're not yeah. doing anything." And he counters that he's like contemplating life and the mysteries of the universe i i don't know i'm I'm with kinthy on this one go like have fun with what's left of your days instead he's of... thinking about all the things he hasn't he didn't get to do right but mm-hmm. that's a horrible way to spend your final days hey man to each their own yeah. yeah all right so then but his response to that is this which i'm going to play partly because it's part of his ridiculous old man voice i'm a military man a warrior. That's so bad. That's my life. To which my ex-wife will attest. You love her still. And now because of me, you will never see her again. You meant no harm. What is that delivery? <laughs> RDA, buddy. <laughs> so bad. Like, the the music swells as he builds to the forgiveness moment, telling us exactly how we should feel about this moment. Sad, but with resolve. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, it's so bad. And also, again, she sounds like a child. You get, She like, does sound like a kid. And now because of me, like, it's so childlike the way that she talks. And it's very obviously a specific choice that she's made or been directed to do. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. Oh, it's Guys, rough. this is not a good episode. <laughs> how many, 
hey, my new podcast game. Take a shot every time we say this is not a good episode. Oh, jeez. are <laughs> dead from alcohol poisoning. Well, and the thing that kills me about this episode is that it's so close to a fascinating premise, right? Like, you've got these people that only live for 100 days, and discussing the morality of changing their lifestyle is a meaningful one, right? Like, they have it pretty good, but we don't touch on that at all we just blunder into oh yeah now you get to live for 100 years deal with it right like and then we don't deal with the consequences of that and we don't deal with like the first time someone has to fight and has to live with a pissed off spouse like we don't do any of that mm-hmm. stuff we just get sad resolved jack mm-hmm. reflecting on some bad choices on some bad on some bad choices you mean one bad choice well no i think there was it, it was more than other like the whole reflection on his marriage oh. dissolving. Like oh, I thought wow. that that was kind of implicated or implied there as well. There's probably a lot of things that Jack may not want to have done in his life, being you know back ops and all that stuff. But uh, again, such a promising premise that they just completely failed to deliver on, and instead turn it into a bogus morality play. I agree. I yeah, they had something really interesting that they could have done, and there were a lot of interesting ways they could have gone with it. Like you said, talking about. The morality of intervening with these people, they have their lives, they're living them, they're pretty happy, and it's a pretty idyllic world, and that's the lifespan they have, and that's what they live with. What, like, who is SG-1 to decide that that's not appropriate? And and so you could even, you, you could delve into that and whether or not they should intervene and not have it personally affect SG-1 at all and have it be more of a morality ethical decision for them to make. That would be fascinating. Or even still have Jack have it and instead of making it a weird sexual tale like he could have gotten it from the like just from the cake or mm-hmm. by physical contact or being sneezed on or something like or maybe from the soil yeah <laughs> or drinking Damn. the water or something like they they could have had one or more of sg1 be afflicted by this and not and still have really been able to delve into humanity and and life and what you do with the time that you have and there are so right. many interesting questions to be asked and instead it's really hard to get past the whole slept with a one-month-old uh, without consent yes better say, yeah, yeah. It's, no, important. Well, but... it's important i know we're being flippant but we keep saying that like jack had sex with a one-month-old jack had sex jack was raped jack didn't decide to do this like he didn't actively like i feel like have sex implies consent he was raped like i feel like that's an, i know we're being flipped and we're joking around but i do think like we should take like a moment of seriousness and phrasing matters and when we use certain phrasing it does matter and it puts things into context one way or the other so i think to chelsea's point clarifying that yes he was raped he did not choose to do this he didn't choose to sleep with this person it it happened to him sure but again i think that's putting a pretty um progressive light to what is a very ham-handed and backwards episode right because we don't reflect at all in the episode the issues of consent or anything like that nor do we address that jack may have not been cool with it right the only the only service we get to that is what happened and that's that's the sum total of it and so i totally agree that we should not be flippant about such a heavy topic however that is way more service than the writers gave to this episode right, right. like that's I, I guess why that's it's important that we bring it up because for sure. the episode didn't and then the closest we get to jack dealing with it is him being angry and essentially absolving Cynthia of of her part in it but i don't think there's any indication in the episode that jack was cool with it um no. at all so i i don't just because the writers weren't 
like, wow, rape is bad, doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop and make sure that everyone knows that this was not okay. No, I, I get it. I just, like, they, the writers very much took the old school adage of, well, the dude was the victim here, so it's cool, right? I guess uh-huh. that's the point I'm trying to make. Well, and, um, and, and that's part of why, you know, as much as current times we're really trying to be better about believing victims and stuff, it is I, rape, the sexual assault against men and rape uh, committed against men is almost universally in media portrayed as a joke. Right. And and that is super not okay. I mean, it, sometimes it's not, not even not a joke. It's almost like a good thing that happened, right? Like, oh, you you didn't get raped. Like, that was cool. You had a, that was a cool thing that happened to you. You got and, to have sex. Yeah. And so, uh, to Jess's point, not once in this episode does Jack act like he was okay with that having happened. Like, yeah, he absolves Kinthea. And I think that, you know, that's probably the right thing to do. But it's still, you know, it. He's not, he's not okay with it. No moment of uh, seriousness in an episode full of jokes and such. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important to, to to just acknowledge it. And I don't know. I'd like to see the topic handled better in the future for sure. But I mean, you're right. The episode, John, the episode for sure didn't give it that. Mm-mm seriousness gravity whatsoever Mm-mm. well and again i think the fact that the mechanism of injury for jack was the fact that he had sex with a native instead of any other mode of transmission really i i drives home the point to me that this was deliberate right like th- we are shining a spotlight on the fact that that's what went wrong on this episode and, and so i don't know it, it's just so ham-handed or ham-fisted. So we go back to the briefing room and Hammond is shutting down their research because he's concerned about the threat that the nanites pose. And SG-1 and Janet are not pleased Mm-mm. with this development. But uh, So I'm just going to play his clip and then we can talk about the decision here. Sir! We cannot just leave him there. Dr. Jackson... Colonel O'Neill is one of the finest men it has ever been my pleasure to serve with. He will be a great loss to this country and to all of us in this room. But I am sure that he would not hesitate to make the same decision for himself that I'm making now. And he is correct. He literally already made that decision about 20 minutes ago. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. No, Hammond isn't wrong. He he is not Mm -hmm. wrong that, first of all, it is his duty as commander of the SGC to protect the world from any threats that might come through the Stargate. And second of all, that Jack would absolutely make the same decision and already has functionally made the same decision. And so I I love that SG-1 is all adamant about it and that Daniel is so protective of Jack here. And Sam's face, she's pretty... Sam and Janet are like... Like I said, SG-1 is not pleased across the board. But I... Hammond is right. Yeah, so the team then isn't allowed to go back and they basically send a video message through to Jack saying goodbye. <laughs> and it's so it's so heartbreaking. So awkward. Yep. Did you pull pull it by any chance, Charles? I didn't pull it because it was <laughs> It's just so Sam is such an awkward little bean. She goes, Man, goodbyes really suck. It's just like <laughs> Yeah, eloquent dude. Didn't they make Teal'c say something? 
Yeah. They're like. I don't know what it was, though. I don't remember what it was, I remember, but, but I just remember that, that Sam goes, this, like, goodbyes really suck, and then she goes, yeah, can you say something or something oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's all very this awkward. Is awkward, you guys. Yeah, it is. And, like, Jack is, like, rewinding it and playing it on his little recorder. It's, it's so sad. Yeah, it is. It's pretty, it's pretty sad. So then... The natives, the Argosians, come in and are bringing offerings to Pelops and hope that they can get him to change his mind and let them live longer. And it's so heartbreaking to me that, you know, that's that's the only recourse that these people have is to basically pray to this statue mm-hmm. and hope for the best. And Jack tries to talk some sense into them and... Who loses his mind? Yeah. I just no. said angry man yells at Cloud. Uh-huh. <laughs> For crying out loud! <laughs> oh, Pelops doesn't give a rat's ass about things like love! <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's also Jack's first for crying out loud in like three episodes. So. Yeah. And it had to be said in that cringy voice, of course. <laughs> we were overdue. Oh my goodness. And I oh. also love that part. Oh, Pelops doesn't. You're a rat's <laughs> ass. About things like love. <laughs> that was a pretty good uh, imitation there, uh, Jess. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Good no job. problem. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Also, I find it interesting that like Jack is so upset about this, like the love part of it. Like, uh-huh. what? Do, like, all right, take up for the cause. Right on. I guess so, but like, I, what about their culture? Is like they, they're like a very love. loving culture. You know, they yeah. seem to love each other and live peacefully and care about the people that they choose to be with. So it just seems like a weird thing for him to pick to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't Kintia say something about she loved him or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. After the talking about the marriage cake. Yeah, because they think she thinks that they're married. Yeah. Right, and she thinks they're in love, and yeah. so he was like, "Well, you don't know anything about me. How can you be in love with me? Like, right. it doesn't make any sense." Right. So maybe he's still on that train of thought, which which is why he started yelling about love again. <laughs> maybe. What is love? Uh, Baby, don't hurt me. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So Jack inspires the Argosians to action, and they, uh throw a rope around the statue and pull it down. And they think they're going to get smited. Yeah. Smoted? Mittens? Smotes? That's a Moana reference. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, so they pull it down, and then there's this moment where everyone just stands there waiting to die, which I just think reinforces that they might be naive and they might functionally be children, but they're really brave and sweet people. Because, yes. because they were willing to really put it all on the line to try and to make a better life for themselves. So good for them. Also, I mean, it's also not necessarily like an indication that they're like naive. We had lots of, I mean, how many cultures upon cultures thought that like, if you did something like a, a rain God would punish you mm-hmm. and like, you know, people assign all kinds of oh, attributes. Magical thinking. Right, Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That is definitely not unique to them or the fact that they're young. But it doesn't help paint help paint a very upsetting picture. Yeah. So then everyone goes about their 
business and uh, Jack and Kinthea go for a walk on the beach and we get this very awkward statement. So awkward. So you like older men, do you? I mean, listen, some of us have preferences <laughs> and I think that's fine. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> that's that's fine. I don't have a problem with people. I mean, but I mean, I don't know, a 31-year-old or maybe 34-year-old with, what is he now, like 100? Yeah. I, I mean, there yeah. might be some... <laughs> I yeah. mean, we all have our preferences, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack might have some issues getting it up, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely. I mean, he does so. mention a prostate issue later on. <laughs> did mention that, that's correct. Yeah, so they they walk out of the far away from the village and they go too far and Kimpy gets a little nervous about it, but Jack convinces her to stay and they sit down and have a little chat and he teaches her to play tic tac toe. Also, can I just say when Kimpia is like nervous about leaving the village, much like Chekhov's birthmark, this is like Chekhov's uh only rule about the village. <laughs> guys there's one rule we can do whatever we want but there's one just one so jesus christ yeah we get it yes there's one rule got it don't leave the perimeter got it yep yep (laughs) good point we've really hammered that in Mm -hmm. i do also find it funny that jack taught her tic-tac-toe which is like one of the most childish games that you can teach anyone Mm -hmm. but also Uh, it's also like an uh, an earth game it it no you're right you're right i'm just saying it is one of the most it's a child childish game. games that you can teach someone yeah. and then and then he lets her win at it yeah further yeah. reinforcing that she's like a kid yeah it was hard i mean the discomfort of the whole situation is added is piled on through the episode because they have sex and then the rest of the episode jack kind of takes on almost like a fatherly roll with her and it makes it just that much more uncomfortable so then we get another uncomfortable oh no i know you think it's uncomfortable i was laughing so hard this line i was literally like crying with laughter (laughs) all right so then this is part of the conversation they have while they're playing tic-tac-toe tell me will you live the rest of your days without making love oh god i hope not (sighs) Oh, we'd probably just pass out. <laughs> that little laugh, like, what is that? <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. I know it's terrible and cringy, but also I find it fucking hilarious. <laughs> his, that is oh disgusting God. sex with a one-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> oh my his, his, oh God, I hope not is, it just cracks me up. <laughs> well, I also, oh my gosh, no. I... <laughs> We probably just pass out. <laughs> but then that that's the moment that's like, wait a second, yeah. why aren't we passed out? <laughs> I love that they use the like weird comment about sex <laughs> oh, to then so bad. get to the important <laughs> moment of terrible. exposition. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Yes. Yeah, so then... I feel like from this moment on, like we spent the last 40 minutes with this episode leading up to this moment and then we spend the last maybe two or three wrapping everything up immediately yeah then they just solve it yeah yeah they put a bow on it more morality over good job guys (laughs) bring it home yeah Yeah, i mean it's legitimately so 
I think the time code on that last clip that I had was at like 37 or 38 minutes. So there's like three minutes left in the episode after that making love comment. And it's, yeah. So then Jack figured, like, we got to give Jack credit. He Totally. He figures a lot of it out himself that it must be triggered by being close to it. They go back to the village, discover in the in the morning that everyone is still asleep. And so then he calls the SGC and they send the team back through with hazmat gear. And I mean, which at this point, it seems like it's sort of established that it was sexually transmitted. Like, just don't have sex <laughs> with any of the locals. You'll be okay. I guess because they're thinking about that weird one-off time that those nanocytes went crazy and tried to eat through fucking rubber. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Also, yep. I like to say that Jack O'Neill is smarter than he pretends to be. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yep. Even at 100, super, super sharp, and he's on it. So, yeah, so then the team comes through, and they have figured out, they figure out the frequency that they need to use to wake everybody up and to basically deactivate the nanites, and then very conveniently... Sam points out that, well, once they're inactive, your immune system will get rid of them. So, yeah. No, no. And then your your aging will be gone. You won't like 100 anymore. <laughs> we can get, John, I feel like you had something to say about that last time, that that was actually made minorly scientifically accurate. For what? That the immune system would, like, that them being active or inactive could affect how the immune system interacted with them. Oh, I think my comment was just a function of this is all make-believe nonsense. So <laughs> why strain on it? Yeah, so Jack is all prepared to like go to re- retire to Florida and continue being the 100-year-old okay. man he is. And Sam's like, yeah, I have good news for you. You're going to magically revert to your normal age. Which they kind of do this a lot on this show where horrible things happen to people to the point of almost death or i mean even going back to broker divide like everyone turns into neanderthals and then it just undoes itself Mm -hmm. really quickly and then you have jack aging to 100 years old and like even mentioning he has a prostate problem but nope just that'll just undo itself we can just undo that yep Hey, Chelsea, that's the beauty of sci-fi you can kind of do whatever you want and then you can miraculously somehow make it Okay. And, and no one end. has any kind of emotional response to it at all. They're ready to go <laughs> for the next episode. Well, there's I, no emotional fallout no, whatsoever. No, they do do a little bit of hand waving where Sam basically says, like, you didn't actually age. It just looks like you aged. Right. So right. they kind of try to hand wave explain that one. That but then I feel like if you just appear to age you weren't actually aging then your prostate wouldn't be enlarged you wouldn't like so he, he wasn't gonna die right like right it, exactly he wasn't gonna die but then there was no stakes here at all so <laughs> it was all cosmetic. except for the horrible things that happened it was just cosmetic so and if he got back to earth in the first place none of this would right yeah so Guys, then, we all went wrong here when they hired a certain writer to write this episode. <laughs> Where we started. You know, she's going to write you a very angry email. And bring it on, Catherine so Powers. I won't. <laughs> bring it so on. Bad. I'm opinionated and I, I stand by them. I mean, she did write a poor next-gen episode. She wrote two poor SG-1-ups. She wrote yeah, actually so I mean, several like, episodes of this, of SG-1. This is it? No, I thought she only did these two. Oh, is it? Hang on. I think so. God, I hope so. Double. I don't know if I can handle another one of her episodes. What other terrible episodes are upcoming? 
The Tormented Tantalus. No, she did. Bloodlines. Bloodlines isn't bad. She did um, Crossroads. Teal heavy. I like Teal, but like. I know. <sighs> Thor's Hammer. She wrote Thor's Hammer. Oh, but I like Thor's Hammer. That's yeah. next episode. She wrote Enigma. Is it? Mm-hmm. Fire and Water. Thor's Hammer. What? Mm-hmm. You. Out of. Oh, oh no. You're shit. <laughs> Up to. So then, and Family and Serpent Song. A serpent Dang, okay and so then she actually wrote some pretty good episodes yeah and then she did pretense and crossroads and smoke and mirrors she wrote smoke and mirrors too mm-hmm. <sighs> yes this is a problem no it's not i stand by it Catherine powers these two episodes suck they your do other, suck your other episodes are fine but these two we got problems right here in river city she well she found her footing apparently with sg1 after these two terrible episodes Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe we're looking at this wrong. Maybe she was given such a narrow scope of operations that she didn't get to write the episode she wanted to. There's a chance and of that, was... except that Emancipation is basically the same episode that she wrote yeah. for Next Gen. Exactly. To be to be fair, the Illustrated Companion says the story is by Stephen yeah. Barnes and the teleplays by Catherine Powers. Yeah, so, so Catherine Powers, I'm letting you off the hook on this one. Maybe, except that if someone's story is like, oh, these people live for a hundred days, it seems like she could have chosen whether or not to include the weird stuff. But who knows? Who knows what? <laughs> Unless what she maybe was given. the story that was a, a, a integral part of it. Yeah, I mean, well, we know that it must have been a big part of the story pitch was to have Jack aging. Right. That that seems like that was probably a core part of the story. So anyway, so the team had there's an awkward moment where the team decides to give Jack a moment to say goodbye to Kinthia. And then there's an awkward goodbye with Kinthia. And she's like basically he so he says we're gonna keep sending people to to come check on you guys and see how it's going. Because like this has to be a massive this is going to be a massive cultural shift for these people to go from living a hundred days to now having to actually set up real civilizations and trying to function as humans. And uh, it's kind of a lot to just shove on them unceremoniously. So I, I like, I have the headcanon that the reason they never send SG one back for these kind of times of cultures that they come across and then go back to all the time is that, they know if they send SG-1 back, something terrible happened and everyone will die. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're like, oh no, we'll just send SG-8. And so, or we're one of the other SG teams that we never interact with. And they just are going and hanging out with the people on Argos and helping them set up systems of government and that kind of stuff. Teaching them what it is to be a jilted lover. <laughs> and then and then the episode ends on the most awkward freeze frame of all time. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't like that freeze frame, guys? Oh, man. No. No. You know, I just had the thought of, like, these poor Argosians, they're going to have to know what it is to actually rear a child, right? Like, you take away their capacity oh, right. to instantly age, and they're going to be up nights with the baby. They don't know that at all. And so, like, <laughs> the the culture may not survive this event. Right. Can you imagine going from, like, oh man, no. one night from your kid aging from an infant to a toddler than to having to go to the months of sleepless nights. Yeah, you you would definitely be cursing Jack's name at that point. Like, <laughs> what did he do? We had such a good life. Maybe they can turn it on just for child rearing and then skip, you know, to adults where they get full life. That's probably the way to do it. Yeah. All right, so that is Brief Candle in all of its glory. Hmm. This is take two. Yeah. Um, that is- yeah we- and, and it is a shame because the first podcast was just a masterpiece. 
Yeah, it was really good. I think we all walked away from it being like, that's one of the better episodes we've done. And now you're stuck with this one. Tough break. That's still a pretty good one. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's go ahead and rate the episode. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, are we all just going to collectively give it a one? <laughs> I can't imagine anyone giving it a higher than a one. I, that means that my emancipation would be higher than this episode. I think emancipation's better than this episode. Uh, hmm. Interesting. There are parts yeah. of emancipation I that I don't I agree mind with watching. You, but yeah. I know how much you don't like emancipation, so I just I mean, I would maybe give it a two and I'm only giving it a bump because RDA was shirtless and <laughs> there were some moments that made me like laugh pretty dang hard. But it was also more cringy, terrible moments. So yeah. I mean I'm giving it a one for um please listen to the last hour and a half of us talking. Those yeah. are my reasons. I will also give it a one as well. Yeah. John. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a one. It is a big old one. This is a bad <laughs> episode. Among some of the less good television I've had the displeasure of watching. Uh, I think Beavis and Buttheaded have handled sub- sensitive subjects with more aplomb more frequently than this episode did. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I got to give it one as well. It is on my list of SG-1 episodes that I don't ever want to watch again. And- oh, no, I definitely want to watch it again. Was I not clear on that? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the the at least emancipation had moments of being redeemed by sam's or amanda tapping's excellent performance but then this one it's like the story is bad and then on top of it you have like the cringiness of all the subtext and the terrible old man voice that is yeah at least i mean it does make me laugh yeah but because it's bad because it's bad (laughs) all right do Um, we want to award an air medal for this episode I guess I would give it to Sam. Sam and Janet. Yeah. The science duo. Yeah. Yeah, the science gals get it. Except that they didn't really even solve it. I guess they're giving it to Jack. Who knows? Give it to Sexy Puppy Island. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think I want to give it to Alekos. Okay, that's a good. Okay, I'll give that's you a, that's good a good choice. That's like, a good choice. if I were to redo this episode, I would tell it as Alekos's story of like self discovery and learning what it means to be human, because I think his little mini character arc is actually quite good. It's yeah, just like two minutes dude. of screen time. So yeah, I want to give it to Alekos. I want to give it to us for suffering through this episode twice. 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 <laughs> so sorry. We have to guys. discuss this twice. <laughs> Yeah, this was not a good one to double down on. I we know, get the, we so get the air medal award. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would like it to be clear that it wasn't my fault. That no, it, it wasn't. No, 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 no. No, no one blames you, We're Chelsea. not blaming you. We're no. just saying that we... <laughs> yes. We're joking about it. No, I'm it's fine. I was making it clear to the audience. I oh, know you oh, guys know. Oh, yes. Chelsea yeah. also, guys, she like edits and like gets this out to you guys. Yeah. Chelsea is the MVP of this entire podcast, so we don't, <laughs> we don't speak ill of Chelsea in this house. Jess and I just kind of run the Twitter and Tumblr game, and that's yeah. it. Chelsea does all the hard work. They also know that I have their voices saying pretty much all of the words in the English language and can make them <laughs> say whatever the hell I want. So, <laughs> Yeah, Chelsea actually just strung those words together for us. We didn't say that at all. <laughs> I'm not that good at sound editing. I would believe you <laughs> if you said you were, though. 
Um, all right. So next week we are talking about Thor's hammer, which is the 10th episode of season one. It is also written by Catherine powers. I think we all are excited about this episode. Generally speaking, not excited, not underwhelmed. We are perfectly neutral and very excited. Um, if you listen to this episode and you hated everything we said, brief Campbell is your favorite episode and you don't know what the hell we're talking about. Please drop us an email at chevronblock seven at gmail.com or send us. Please know you're also wrong. I, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, of course. That too. That too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we will immediately delete your email. No. But uh, if you like it, also please email us. Yes. If you agree with what we say, please email us. Well. What we're saying is email us. We're desperate for human contact. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can also tweet us um, at Chevron Block 7. Um, you can find me, Jess, on Twitter at Prof Tenant or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. Uh, you can find me, Melanie, on Twitter at Melanie Martian, M-A-R-S-H-A-N. Or you can find me on Tumblr at my stupid dumb flyboy. John, did you want to give out your? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I'm John. You can find me at farts underscore McGee on t- uh, Twitter. Which I legit didn't know John had a Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go stalk you now. Uh, it's a pretty boring Twitter handle, <laughs> but it exists, and they were saying it, so I said mine too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cahils or on Tumblr at Pianosa Two to Dividing Eight. I've seen parties end abruptly, but never like this. Uh, I like that one, the closer, or as uh, the I've seen parties end abruptly before, but oh, right, yeah, that's what I was gonna do. I'm writing it down so I don't forget. I feel like we had a discussion last time. We absolutely had this discussion (laughs) last time.